Welcome to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. There's an explanation for this. Featuring Nick. Check it out. I am the ultimate badass. Yes. And Jay. This is so nuts. Listen to what you're saying. Please note, these episodes will contain spoilers and in-depth discussion of the plots and characters of the films. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Nick. And this is our review of Alien 3, starring Sigourney Weaver, Charles S. Dutton, Charles Dance, and Lance Hendrickson, directed by David Fincher. Released in 1992 on a budget of $50 million, grossed $159 million worldwide, but... Should be noted, only $55 million of that is domestic. So, um, well, you know, Nick, we, the last two Alien films we've done, we've gotten to a lot of the pre-production stuff, and we're really going to save that on this one until we do, I guess, the second review of this, when we do the Alien 3 assembly cut review, because that really goes more with that discussion. But it's interesting to note that it took six years and at least as many writers and half as many directors to come up with this. Yeah, I think it took more than the American Constitution Right. <laughs> <laughs> really, it was a it was a committee. That is for sure. And you know what? In the series, and this is what we're talking about here for a moment. In the series, this is the one that I, you get a lot of mixed reaction from the fan base on. And you're most assuredly the diehard Alien fan of the Continuous Play podcast world. So, just briefly, I mean, recall when you first saw this and kind of your thoughts on it then and have they changed through the times? My first experience with Alien 3 would have probably been second grade. Um, <laughs> I remember my dad actually taking to taking me there opening weekend to go see this movie. And I just remember how excited I was before this movie came out. I was Seeing the trailers, I remember playing Alien 3 in the backyard with my cousin. I mean, we had no idea what the movie was going to be about. We thought it was going to have guns and Marines and be on Earth, because, I mean, that's what the trailer was telling us and everything, that right. on Earth, no one's going to hear you scream, or on Earth, everybody's going to hear you scream. So I just remember being so excited, you know, telling even telling my teacher in second grade, it's like, my dad's going to take me to go see Alien 3. And I remember her response, and it was just like a look at, like, what the hell's the matter with your father? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just, oh man, I, I still remember it. I remember uh, being so excited sitting there, you know, a little second grade me with the popcorn and the soda waiting for the movie to start. And then it started. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was I was the biggest like Space Marine friend. I mean, I wanted to go to Space Marine for ho- Halloween. I mean, I was like, Hicks was my role model. I wanted to be Hicks. And that, when that opening thing happened and my dad, you know, kind of bent over and he's like, Hicks is dead. And I just remember, like, oh. You know, I had a similar experience. Went and saw this one again. With, I think I said before, I saw the second one with my grandmother at the theater. Well, we went to see the third one, too, because we had seen the trailers and thought this was cool. And at this point, I was in high school. And so so I feel really old now. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I remember going in there to see this and, again, thinking oh, it's going to be on Earth. But I'd seen, I want to say I had seen a longer trailer because I knew Ripley's head was shaved and, like, that was a big deal. It was on TV, people talking about it. And I remember watching this movie, and both of us walking out of it going, huh, what'd you think? (laughs) And having this whole discussion about it. And that's really been my reaction to this almost any time I've seen it. And I'll be honest with you, Nick, I've only seen this one through maybe five times before watching it 
for this podcast. I want to watch it twice for, for this review of it. And I have often wondered why this one just didn't stick with me. I think it's a multitude of things, but it is a different film than where we've been before. It's certainly a departure. Oh, it definitely is. I, I think just like the biggest departure I noticed at first was the cast of characters. Whereas Alien, you had a crew, you had, you know, Dallas, you had Lambert, you had, you know, Brett, you had Parker, I mean, uh, Kane. I can name them, you know, Ash Ripley. That was the whole crew. And then with the Space Marines, you had Hicks, Hudrake, Gorman, Apone, Frost. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could probably name the whole crew of Burke, Ripley, Newt, you know. And this one, it's like Ripley and a bunch of bald British guys who. And and Charles Dutton. Charles Dutton and I think uh, <laughs> uh, Charles Dance, who is probably more most well known right now for Game of Thrones, actually. Well, you know that's funny that you mentioned that. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. You know what I know him from? He was one of the bad guys in Last Action Hero. He had that glass eye that kept yeah. changing, and he was he was Schwarzenegger's uh, uh, alter ego's uh, nemesis in the film. Or I I remember him vividly from that. As a matter of fact, every time I think I've seen him, he plays a bad guy. That's really all I know him yeah, from. Yeah, he's the uh, intellectual bad guy. Yeah, and I've never and honestly, it didn't register with me when I saw like Last Action Hero and some of the other stuff he's done, that this was him. It's only coming back to it sometime later that I notice it it's was It's kind of like the poor man's Alan Rickman. That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, that's probably a good way of saying it. He's definitely a respected actor. And, and oh, he's he's great, yeah. But he's just, you know, he's just, you know, the roles that wouldn't go to Alan Rickman would probably go to him. You know, he would have been, he would have been, you know, uh, Snape or something with the English accent and just kind of like, he just always has that evil look to him. Yeah, and Charles Dutton is always playing like somebody's dad. You know, like to me, and I, I know him from those kind of roles. Like, I, one of my favorite roles of his was a, a movie called Menace to Society, where he plays a uh, a father of a kid, and he's trying to be a he's a teacher, and he's trying to be a mentor to some of these kids in South Central LA. It's a fantastic film. No, another day, another review. But I, I've always liked him in that kind of role and stuff. So I remember him in this, and I, yeah, I guess we'll talk about it as we get to it. But Nick, I, I suppose you need to give us a plot summary for Alien Three before we get too much more into this. So please, if you will, sir. Following the events of Aliens, the colonial marine spaceship Sulaco experiences an onboard fire and launches the escape pod containing Ellen Ripley, Newt Hicks, and the damaged android Bishop. The pod then crashes on Fiona Fury 161, a foundry facility and uh, prison colony inhabited by all male inmates. After some inmates recover the pod and its passengers, an alien facehugger is seen approaching a prison dog. Ripley is taken in and awakened by Clemens, the prisoner doctor, and she is told she is the only survivor of the crash. Suspicious of what caused the escape pod to jettison and what killed her companions, Ripley requests Clemens perform an autopsy on Newt. She fears that Newt may be carrying an alien embryo in her body. No embryo is found in Newt's body, and Clemens proclaims she simply died in the crash. Meanwhile, Ripley's unusual behavior begins to frustrate the warden. A funeral is performed for Newt and Hicks, in which their bodies are cremated in the facility's enormous furnace. In another section of the facility, the prison dog enters alien labor, and an alien bursts from its body. Soon after, the alien begins to attack members of the colony, killing several. To get answers, Ripley reactivates the damaged android Bishop, which confirms to her that there was an alien on board the Sulaco and it came with them to Fury 161 in the escape pod. She then informs Andrews of her previous encounters with the alien and suggests everyone to work together to hunt it down and kill and kill it despite not having any weapons. Back in the prison infirmary, while talking to Ripley about the situation, Clemens is killed by the alien, but when it's about to attack Ripley, it, it retreats, sparing her life. 
She runs to the mess hall and to warn the others, only to see the alien kill the warden. Ripley rallies the inmates and proposes they pour highly flammable toxic waste into the ventilation system to ignite it and flush out the creature. An explosion is caused by the creature's premature intervention, resulting in several more deaths. Using the medical equipment aboard a Sulaco escape pod, Ripley scans herself and discovers the embryo of the alien queen growing inside her. Deducing that the mature alien will not kill her because of the embryo she carries, they form a plan to lure it into the foundry molding facility and drown it in molten lead by trapping it by closing a series of random doors. <laughs> the bait-and-chase style plan results in the death of Dylan and all the remaining prisoners, except Morse, who pours the lead. The alien is covered in molten metal, but it escapes the mold. It chases after Ripley, into which she then turns on the sprinklers, causing the alien to explode. During the battle with the alien, Waylon yutani arrives, including a man named Michael Bishop who looks identical to the Bishop android. They try, to they try to persuade Ripley to undergo surgery to remove the queen embryo, saying they will destroy it. Ripley refuses and steps back onto a mobile platform, which Morse positions over the furnace. Bishop and his men then show up. Bishop and his men then show their true intentions, intentions, begging Ripley to let them have the alien. Ripley ignores them and jumps into the facility furnace just as the alien queen bursts from her chest. Morse is taken away by Waylon Yutani and Ripley's final speech from the Nostromo plays in the background. And credits. Well, that is certainly a plot. Um, I, you know, he said in the beginning it took a lot of people to come up with this, and ultimately, the way it's credited out is that Vincent Ward, who is, was at one time the director, wrote is given story credit. And the screenplay is the work of Guyler Hill and a guy named Larry Ferguson, who has written a lot of action films and a number of other things. He's done you know, work on stuff like Hunt for Red October and some of these other things. But the, it was it was a hodgepodge of people. I mean, there were a number of ideas that went into this. I think another screenwriter had come up with the prison planet and another one had the whole idea of the alien dynamic changing. I mean, he you know, that's the kind of thing that I don't know th this story feels so much more choppy and truncated than the other stuff we've had before, which were incredibly straightforward. I mean, the, the first Alien Nick was a, a haunted house story, basically. That's all it is. The second one was a combat movie. This one, I don't know what the central thesis is. Uh, depressing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the, that's the aesthetic quality to it, but I don't know. I mean... It, Let's talk about it from the start, the, the whole setup, that they, they're going with the Ripley story again. And you asked at the end of the first podcast, did they need to continue Ripley? And I said, you know, they kind of go either way with it. But the fact that they, what they do in Aliens is so magnificent that, yeah, that was a great idea. I was kind of done with her at the end of Aliens. To me, her story was complete. I mean, what else could you do? I mean, I know a lot of people right away will say, oh, Alien 3 is uh, someone accepting the end of their life and ready to move on. It's just, it's a stretch for me. I really wish that they would have took this series in another direction. I mean, it is titled Alien and not Ripley. And there's so much background stuff that they could go and explore. I mean, you got the derelict ship, the space jockey from the first one. These aliens were brought to LV-426 on that derelict spaceship. Why not maybe go back to their home planet? I mean, there's multi multitudes of directions they could take the series, and I understand that they wanted to kind of play it safe. Aliens was a big hit. Ripley was the main character. Let's, you know, keep on bringing her back or, you know... 
I can see why Fox wanted to bring her back, but for me, I really wish they would have went in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I could have seen this going in a lot of other places, and we'll pick that discussion up when we, we get into the, the real, dis- the next review in the Assembly Cut, which is a very different take on this than what we get. But what we've got here is what we've got. So let's talk a little bit about this. First thing right off the bat, the, the main title sequence. I got to tell you, I like the intercutting. I like the fact that they didn't try to recreate what Alien and Aliens had done with the open space shot and nothing else really happening. You know what I mean? Like they, they There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's real disconcerting. really sets the tone. And I already get a sense that I'm more back in Ridley Scott's world than I am in James Cameron's world. Yeah, I really enjoy him too. I mean, I I love the music in this movie. I'm going to compliment it right away. I think the score in this movie is it's eerie. I mean, it's almost like a like a it's almost got like a religious undertone to the music. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's somber, it's depressing. I mean, it really convey I mean, the way the movie looks and the way that the in the score is made or the way the score is scored I mean, it's, they fit together, I mean, like a puzzle piece. I mean, it's great. And the opening thing with, you know, the alien coming out of this egg and, you know, you see the crack of the window and you see the blood going down there, all to this music, intercut with the credits. I mean, it's, it's, it's an awesome credit sequence. I think a lot of the credit of that not only goes to Fincher, but Elliot Goldenthal, who did the music, which you're totally right to call out, is, is fantastic. And Terry Rawlings, who did the editing, and he's been a real proponent of this film and everything that happened in the production of it and really backed up Fincher a lot and uh, some of the complaints he's had about it through the years. But I think the, the, the cutting of things in between and seeing all these images and seeing things I don't want to see. I mean, automatically, this movie is putting me in a place I don't want to see because there's something that happens. How the heck did an egg with a face hugger get on board the Sulaco? <laughs> there's no explanation for that. I've tried to, I've tried to research it and, you know, hear fans theories on it. And there's no explanation. I mean, some people say, well, maybe Bishop put it there. Well, how would a Bishop ever got those eggs? He was flying around the, uh, the drop shift in the better, end. better, and yeah. The Why would he have done it? Well, that would be a complete betrayal of the bishop ca- character. Oh, wow. I know. It's, it's 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 people trying to do a little bit of spin on it. I mean, and some people even say it was like, oh, the alien queen must have her genetics, knowing that she was the last one. You know, somehow created these eggs. Oh, it goes back to what Ridley Scott was trying to do. With the, it's it. There's there's no explanation. And to me, why even show the eggs? Just show the facehuggers on there. I mean, I'd have more of a chance of believing that the facehuggers just hitched a ride on the queen alien. I mean, the queen alien hitched a ride on the dropship, so I don't think there'd be really that much of a disbelief to believe that the alien facehuggers hitched a ride on the queen who hitched a ride on the Sulaco or the dropship. I mean, that I think that would have that been better than showing alien eggs. And for me, because, you know, I think I've already said I'm an engineer. My, that's my trade. I do a lot of architectural stuff. And the thing that's even shocking to me is the alien eggs opening up, the architecture of where the eggs are do not match anything in the Sulaco at all. It looks like yeah. it's a completely different architectural style, which is completely jarring to me. Because it's like we were in the we were in the Sulaco for a good amount of time in Aliens, and now they're showing us something that's Supposed to be the Sulaco that looks nothing like it, and it has an egg in it. Yeah, and and it just comes out of nowhere. But the whole thing is because you've got to have a reason to get them jettisoned off of the ship that's taking them home. And so, yeah, I guess my way I've always read this is that the escape pods, you know, they they run these uh, the three survivors basically down into this 
holding area and they just wait for a planet on to throw them off on on the way by or maybe it's happenstance that they're just going by one i don't know it's not, not explained at oh, all Oh man everything is so much happenstance in this yeah movie. there's a, there's a lot this, is the, this whole beginning of that, that this is you want to look up look up the definition of happenstance it'll be the beginning of alien three <laughs> it is it is a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of very convenient things that have to happen to get us on that planetoid now, am I supposed to take it that the alien facehugger started the electrical fire? Or did that just happen randomly at the right time? Well, no, there's this part where, like, the alien, when it's cracking through the glass, gets cut, and you see some of its blood drip through something. Like, so I figure, well, it started a fire. And, I mean, Bishop even calls that out later, that there was a fire. And so I could buy that. Actually, I could believe that because these things are, they're they're very defensible and they're very tough, but they're not completely indestructible. And we saw them blown to bits, you know, before. So they, clearly breaking through heavy glass would probably cut one up, but it wouldn't kill it necessarily. But it would cause damage to the stuff around them. And so I could... I'll give it that at this point because I know they. There's no. There's no what yeah. about there not being any sprinklers? I mean, come on! I got sprinklers in my office when there's a fire. <laughs> this, this this spaceship doesn't have any sprinklers. It's it's best course of action is to we're going to take everybody here and we're going to throw them out in the space. Well, that's that's another thing now because here's the other question: is when the Salako gets back home, what are they going to find? There, it was only carrying twelve people to begin with. Now nobody's on it. <laughs> So, uh, I don't know. That that to me is just the the funniest thing is that, you know, a ship that's traveling for six months or more at this point will arrive with no crew <laughs> at some point. But I, it, we've got to give the movie this for them to throw them out on the plane. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I saw this, I mean, this is supposed to get you out of your seat because Newton Hicks die in the thing. And essentially Bishop does too. Like everybody's killed except Ripley. And that's supposed to just throw you like everything you loved about the last movie. Well, guess what? Screw that. It's done. And that is, I will tell you now, people go back and go, ah, that's a Fincher thing. Well, nobody knew what a Fincher thing was except Paul Abdul videos at that point. So I, I think it's easy to go back now and say that's a thing he does, but I really think that's just the story. They decided we've got to throw this thing on its head. It's got to be Ripley by herself. It's the, an isolating way, and it is a way to jar the audience. And I got to tell you, even having seen it eight or nine times now, it still gets a reaction out of me to go, man, I'm really ticked off these people are dead. It's not so much that it's like the Newt character and Hicks character. It all has to do with what we went through at the end of Aliens, it completely it invalid, invalidates the the ending of Aliens. I mean, the whole ending of Aliens was Ripley going to get her daughter in a battle of two mothers. That was the whole last half hour of Aliens. And it's just like, oh yeah, remember that big uh, ride you just went through? Yeah, well, guess what? It, do it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything at all. Ripley could have just went and just escaped on her own, and guess what? If she would have done that, it would have just probably been all better for her. It was, it, 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 it just, to me, it's like, you know, a lot of people, like, I bring up Star Wars, as we always do, but a lot of people always complain about Greedo shooting first and how that just ruins the Han Solo character. Well, for me, Alien 3 ruins the entire ending of Aliens. It completely does. And I think it's supposed to. I honestly do. I think it's supposed to throw you off to get you ready for whatever this new ride is going to be. No, the, the, but the entire ride is pointless, though. I mean, what what are we trying to learn here? That that, that Ripley's life is over and we're going to watch this, this woman walk around all depressed, all, you know... Yeah you know, moping and stuff that she lost her, you know, her surrogate daughter now and her life's over. I mean, t 
to me, that's not what these movies are about. I mean, well, let, let's talk about that for a minute, okay? Because because her reaction to this news seems really genuine, you know, that when the doctor's waking her up and all this stuff. But she also gets over it kind of fast. Like she cries a little bit and cries uh, for like two seconds at the you know crash site. But then it's all about she sees the alien blood stain and she's like, oh damn, we got to go to work again. Oh, uh oh. And that to me feels, again, I feel like all this is just sort of chopped together. It's like three different stories going at the same time. And it, it, here's another thing. And this happens too at the, the whole, when the, she's being rescued or whatever, the dog is barking and then that little face hugger starts crawling up over the side. And unlike the first two movies where most things were done very subtly, even the, the combat action movie had a lot of subtlety to it. This one is very deliberate. Like the the deaths are really gory, and the the you know Newton Hicks are you know, really grotesque looking, and even Bishop is just torn to shreds. That milk's all over him, and Ripley looks terrible, and everything's dirty, and it's it's so deliberate, and it's so much like punching you in the face with like how see how much this sucks, and I'm going yeah, it kind of does. No, definitely. I mean. Even like the alien attacking the dog, it's like, okay, we just saw it happen. We're just going to put a random dog on here right away because, you know, obviously the, they wouldn't, if a person got the face hugger on it, they would find it and then, you know, if Ripley would kill it right away. So they got to do something convenient with it being a dog. Yeah, the, the thing no one would miss. Yeah, the the thing no one would miss, and that's you know that's a whole other set of problems. But it's 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 it's, it's a pl- it's a plot device. I mean, oh yeah, it, and then of, of course you got the uh, the face hugger acting the way it's never acted before. I've never seen a face hugger act timid before, but boy, that thing was timid around the dog. I mean, it was like, oh yeah, there's there's people all the people all around it, but it never attacked them, it attacked the dog. I mean, this the the, the face hugger would attack the first thing it comes across. Well, the face hugger is stalking for the first time. We've never seen that happen at all. We've seen the egg open up, it goes don't 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 and then it flies out. And that's all we've ever seen. We've never seen one of these things deliberately do anything. And then the two you got turned loose on Newton Ripley, they were just running toward them. They weren't like sneaking around the corner. You know, I mean that that to me again feels like it's so it's so deliberate and it's there's no subtlety to it. And that that is changing the whole dynamic for me. And then you compound it with this whole prison colony bit and it's all men and they're all woman killer people, you know, and they've taken a vow of celibacy. So pretty much, I mean, Ripley calls it out later. It's like all these prisoners who found God at the end of space, you know, you got that going and that's never explained. So much of this stuff is just, we're just supposed to take it because it's supposed to punch us in the gut. I was going to say, yeah, it was like the whole like, you know. The God aspect and these guys, you know, being really devout Christians and everything. I mean, it's just, it's just a, it's a stereotype that you see in every prison movie that there's a group of people in this prison and they're, they all found God. They all, you know, start studying the Bible and everything like that. And it's just, I don't know, the, the whole movie, the whole beginning of the movie, I mean, after the spectacular opening credits, it's just, it's not good. I mean. Yeah, it's really, it's really, again, it feels choppy. And that's the problem is that none of this stuff is getting explained. It's just getting thrown in our face. And to me, I, I, I'm going to bring up this a lot in this podcast is Alien and Aliens. I mean, you got Alien, like we're saying, it's the Haunted House movie. Aliens is, you know, the action combat movie. This movie basically to me is like a slasher movie. Oh, I'm so glad you called that out. I'm going to call out multiple instances later on where I the alien becomes a slasher, and we're going to talk about that. I'm glad you said that, yeah. It's, it's, it's a complete slasher movie, because you look at any, like, the Friday the 13th movies, or the, you know, the uh, Freddy movies, or 
you know, Halloween or something, a lot of them like to acknowledge the movie that came before, but what do they do in the first 15 minutes? They go and they kill all the characters from that movie right away, or they, or they ignore them, or they write them out. And that's exactly what they did here. It's like, oh yeah, you remember the people that survived the last movie? Guess what? They're dead already. Well, that happened. You, I'm glad you called it Halloween because I had feelings. I'm a big Halloween fan. So I had feelings of Halloween four and five watching this. And I think that's, those are things I've always connected with this movie, at least in the, its premise is that everything I loved about the end of Halloween two, we had to wipe away at the beginning of Halloween four. And what I was able to at least buy into and go into with that movie, Karen over to five got whacked in the first 15 minutes too. And then we have to go on this ride with these other people. I don't know anything about, and don't care anything about. And you mentioned it too, in the, in the, you know, even in the plot summary, we were talking offline. We can name all the characters from the other two movies easily. You know, it doesn't take much to do that. I couldn't tell you half of these people's name and it's not because they're British. I don't care about that. It's that none of them are distinguishable from one another and none of them get any time to do it except Charles Dutton and the doctor played by dance. They're the only ones that you really remember. The warden's cool until he gets killed and you never see him again. There's nothing here to emotionally invest in. And that's because none of the characters get to emote for more than eight seconds. Ripley is sad that Newt's dead until she sees the acid burn on the tube. And then it's, she's like into full warrior mode again. And that just seems so false. It's, you know, with like I said, with all the emotion at the end of Aliens, I mean, again, being a father myself, if my kid was dead again, I mean, come on. How much shit this woman's got to go through, but it's like, you, you, you think, you think she'd be depressed. I mean, there's an alien here. I think my opinion would be like, I don't really care. You know, whatever, man. C- come and freaking kill me. I'm done. You know, I'm done fighting this thing. Yeah. Every time I fight you and beat you, somehow you come back and screw up my life. So, you know, I'm done. That, that, that's, that would be my attitude. You know, oh, I'm in, I'm in a prison full of, uh, rapists and murderers. Go, go to town on these people. These are the scum of the earth, man. There's a reason they're out here. Kill them. Kill them all. Kill us all. And that's the thing. We don't learn enough about these people to invest in them at all. What we're waiting on is something to happen. And we get a moment here and again, it's, it's something to put us off. You know, the whole, the gruesome details on the deaths coming so cold from the doctor and then the the whole autopsy scene that still gets to me man the whole sound of the chest crack and all of that i mean it seems so unnecessarily gory and i know they cut it down quite a bit for this and for i understand there's a cut of it out there that will never see the light of day that is so gruesome there's no way you could ever show it to an audience it's just it's you know, beyond human centipede two kind of level of stuff. And like I, watching a TLC with one of their surgery shows. Yeah. I mean, and, but I thought, is that, it? I mean, I understand. I get the whole idea of what well, she must have an autopsy done. Okay. I didn't need all the Foley work and all the other going with it. Like that is clearly just there to shock and put me at, in a sense of unease. And that's the wrong thing to do when I don't have anything else to fall back on because I don't like any of these people. I don't even like the way Ripley's acting in this movie. Well, that's the whole thing is after the autopsy scene, and I know exactly the sound you're talking about when they take, when they cut open her chest bone, when they, that thing where they rip it into the middle, I would hear that like, that tear, yeah, like it's yeah. tearing like a, like it's tearing denim almost. Like, like you take a knife to like denim, just how that would sound if you're ripping it then. At this point, it's like, for me, I was like, I'm not invested in anything anymore. I, I don't care. I mean, I'm acting the way Ripley should act, because at this point, it's like, I don't care. You just killed Hicks, who the guy I like. I liked a lot from Aliens. You killed you killed Newt, who was I was completely invested in in the last part of Aliens. And it's like, and now you're basically taking my wound and you're rubbing salt in it by taking a eight-year-old girl and 
taking her body and doing this and showing it to us in ways we don't want to see it and letting us hear stuff that we shouldn't be hearing. And it's just like, literally, you, you, any color that you have while watching this movie is drained from you. I mean, and that, and that, and it, it, it does it too soon. I mean, it's like, at the audience now is completely desensitized. And why would you want to make a movie, an alien movie, which is all about the audience's reaction to what's going on and just completely desensitize them in the first 15 minutes? It makes absolutely no sense. And I'm not blaming Fincher. I think Fincher's a great director. I love so many of his movies. I blame the script. The script is just, it's terrible. And it should be noted at this point, David Fincher directed two-thirds of this without even really having a script. I mean, it was just a lot of we'd get pages and he would have to make rewrites and they were just really making it up on the spot in a lot of ways. And I feel like so much of this beginning is just what they could salvage, because what happens next is actually one of the most poignant points in the film. And it works. It's a great juxtaposition. They're going to bury Newt and uh, Hicks. They're going to burn their bodies up in the furnace. And while that is happening, this dog is giving you know, birth to the new alien that's going to come about. And, I, you know, the the whole the whole dog's um, chest burster is really gross. There's fluid and there's, I mean, it's, it's meant to be really gross. But the way that all plays against each other and then you get Dutton's preaching in there too, it, it works. Like, I actually like this. And I kind of started to realize now I'm in something new. I'm in Ridley's environment with Cameron's pacing, but Fincher is providing this unsettling, unnerving twist on it and this particular scene i i actually like i absolutely love this scene too i mean this is the credits and then this i mean it's something with the way fincher is like kind of cuts back and forth between like just like something that's you know it's the eulogy is beautiful i mean it's the whole scene i mean it's it's literally moving what you're seeing because i mean you're taking again two characters that you know very well and you're saying goodbye to them and then you're seeing something completely horrific with the dog giving birth to this alien. And I'm going to, you know, echo your sentiments to that. It's absolutely brutal. And the thing that gets me is when you see the alien, like, actually going boom, boom, boom. You can see it just, like, trying to force its way out. I mean, it's not just one or one or two thumps it's doing. You see it, like, almost like it's a punching bag inside of it. It's trying to get out of this dog. And then the dog just bursts open. It looks like chili that's coming out of this dog. It is so gross and horrific, and yet there's something so beautiful going on at the same time. And that's completely Fincher. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that any other director, those would have been two completely separate scenes. That it would have been the eulogy, and then the dog giving birth. They would have never cut those together. So I gotta give them, you know, credit on that. It's 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 a great scene in a, in a shitty movie. <laughs> Again, underscore, you know, put together by a great editor in Rawlings, and Goldenthal's score is this, it's a, like a hymn. It's almost like a, a funeral dirge going underneath a requiem if you will nick and and i'm i'm <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> and i'm really digging it too and this is the other thing i noticed the alien is bigger when it comes out of the dog and it's different it's on all fours and that's the first that's really the thing we get here is that the alien will adapt to whatever it attaches to that it becomes part of whatever that is and i kind of like that that whole parasitic you know uh, assimilation idea because I can in my own head retcon my way back and go well that makes sense as to how the thing would knew, know its way around the Nostromo is that it came out of Cain who would have known his way around the Nostromo and it explains why the ones in Aliens near the end were so aggressive is because maybe they came out of some of the Colonial Marines I mean I'm, I know none of that is in anything but I'm able to sort of make those leaps from this moment and I like that the alien looks 
looks different, and we don't get to see how it moves yet, but it's bigger, and it's it's going to be a different critter this time. Yeah, it looks it almost looks like a greyhound type dog. It's it actually kind of funny that I say that because during the actual making of this movie, that one of the uh, costumes they tried out for the dog, I mean for the alien dog, was actually putting alien prosthetics on a greyhound dog. <laughs> and you, you you can see it online in the making of Alien Three, and it looks absolutely hilarious. It's it looks terrible and. Luckily, they didn't use any of that stuff. I mean, not that what they used was much better, but we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, it looked really bad. But I like this new added element that it doesn't retcon anything in my mind. It doesn't really say, like, oh, yeah, well, it, it takes on DNA host. Well, okay, we'll just accept that. The first two movies can completely buy into that theory because they were bipedal aliens. They look they look like people, basically. They had two arms and two legs, maybe minus a tail. And this this alien now walks on all fours just like a dog and it moves like a dog or like a panther almost i mean yeah i really i, I enjoy them basically bringing that up because that was always my kind of theory watching these movies that it would make sense that something like this would adapt to the way to the host it would act and have the same type of biology that the host would because what would be the purpose of it being like a bipedal human if it was an environment that would require four legs, it's smart that this animal, this creature would adapt this way. Well, that, and that's the whole bit is the alien adapts to everything, right? That's what we're supposed to believe. But, and, you know, we are having to give the movie a lot of this because there's only two or three other times we see it doing things that make you realize that it being on all fours allows it to climb the walls and run the way it does and, and all that stuff. I, the rest of it, it acts like, you know, a slasher. And and let's get to that now, you know, because let's get to like the first real kill that the alien's responsible for besides the dog, right? The guy's cleaning up the, I don't know, what is he in? A tunnel? I don't know. Exhaust tunnel? It's some type of, some type of fan or something. Yeah, because there's that big it. fan and immediately you know like, well, somebody's falling in the fan. And basically the alien jumps out and scares him into the fan and I'm like, okay, so the alien is killing people in Jason style now. It's like slasher setup. Feels really, really off. I took it that the alien actually sprayed acid in his face. Well, that's new too because when have we ever seen him spit like a cobra? Nothing yet, yeah. I mean, we're going to see it in later movies, but yeah, nothing in the first two movies ever showed that the alien could spit acid. I mean, the facehugger, we've, you know, established that that can, you know, spit out or have acid come out of it. I mean, we saw that with uh, Kane in the first alien, how it burned through its mask. And yeah, but it's, it's, it's a new element they're adding. I don't mind it because again, we're seeing a new type of alien, so I'm going to go along with it. But it's, again, it's, it's a brutal scene because you see that guy rolling and, we learn later that those fans, you know, it wasn't that he just necessarily rolled into it. There was some type of suction in there as well. So why they leave the fan on when they're cleaning it, I don't know. But it seems like an yeah, occupational be... hazard, even for prisoners. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, why isn't there sprinklers on the Sulaco? Why don't they turn off the fan when they clean it? I mean, well, because because in, in the convenience of the plot needs it to go this way. That's why. Well, you, you, you they, they they want to kill right away. That's what they want. They want to be able to up the stakes and give you probably the goriest kill we've seen. I mean, this is gorier than Kane in my in my opinion. I mean, you see the guy blow up. I mean, you see his boot go. Flying and it looks like someone took a bag of spaghetti and threw it into a fan. Well, and then they even that's how they identify him is like we know that's him because that's his boot. And I'm like, well, that's supposed to be funny, and it's not. It comes off kind of cruel and cold again. I mean, this the whole thing. I I'm 
I'm willing to give them the fact that the alien's going to have a different dynamic this time. I'm cool with that. I'm not cool with the fact that it decides to kill somebody by disguising the kill. Like, okay, I'll make this dude fall in the fan, then they won't know it's me. That's what it feels like. And I'm like, no, the alien doesn't do that. It just kills and then it goes on. But does it does it even kill, though? I mean, we don't even... We, from Alien, we don't know what it... I mean, yeah, I guess we do know because it killed Parker and Lambert and stuff like that, but it wasn't like... It killed him and left. I mean, this, yeah, yeah. Like, really right. It's like, it's, it's like a deliberate, like, he's hiding, he's hiding, he's hiding. There he is. And he just like, like a sniper. It's just like in and out. That's all it was. It's just it's like, like the face. That's not the way the alien acts. The alien would, the alien would get up and look at him in the, in the tunnel and go and attack him. It wouldn't just spit in his face and run away. Yeah. That, that made no sense at all. Like that, that to me just, again, it feels off. The whole dynamic feels off with that. And that's, but I, uh, but the whole plot is, you know, is Ripley crazy? What is going on? What is she bringing with us? You know, we can't prove that it's an alien and stuff. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, again, it's, it's all happenstance. It just happens that the first alien victim got chopped up by a fan. I mean, it's, again, it all goes back happenstance, alien three. <laughs> that would only work if the audience were the prisoners who didn't know. We know everything about this. At least you knew aliens going into Alien 3. I have, I cannot believe there were a large number of people that went to see this that didn't at least know enough about this to, to know how it worked. And this just, it just feels weird. It just, I don't, I don't buy it. And it bothers me, especially because I'm, I had kind of gotten back on board with the movie at this point, the whole burial bit and then the whole shaved head thing, which is kind of neat. And the reason she has to do that and the lice problem and all, you know, you get the idea that this is in the middle of nowhere and, and all that. And I, I like that whole isolation thing. I was back on board with it until they do this. And then we have to, it, Ripley is still trying to get answers, right? And so she goes and digs the flight recorder out of the escape pod. And I'm blown away that the escape pod has one of these. I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive for something that just got jettisoned. Yeah, I'm going to actually do a little bit of a rewrite. I'm going to do a little bit of a rewrite on this movie. Um, you ever see the movie uh, Hot Tension or High Tension? No, I have not. It's basically the whole plot of the movie. The end was that this like crazy slasher killer was actually the victim itself. And I'm thinking, you know what? How you know, kind of, if they wanted to really have balls making this movie, why not have it that there was no alien, that Ripley was the one killing these prisoners because, you know, she's crazy or something like that. I mean, I, I actually, I think that would have been a better movie where it's like, you think like this alien's doing it and it turns out, no, it's Ripley. But yeah, I mean. That would even be weirder than what we have. I think it actually would have been better. I mean, I just, oh, this movie's so fun. And who knows, Nick, there's only like a hundred versions of this script. So, I mean, it's it, it could have even been in one of them. Maybe even a fan edit could do that, you know. <laughs> Someone I, could go in there and I'm edit this not, movie I like would, that. I would not surprise that somebody that knows what they're doing on Final Cut Pro could make that happen. You could probably turn this into a romantic comedy at one point, because the alien does look like it kisses Ripley at one point. We'll get to that, though. But I, I gotta say, though, the next thing that happens is Ripley's gotta go dig... Um, what's left of Bishop up out of the trash heap. And we've already set up that these guys are women killer rapists, you know, a lot of them, and that they haven't been around a woman in, woman in years, and this is going to totally script their whole dynamic, and they're going to be tinted and all this. And I hate the fact that they have to pay that off. They feel like, okay, we've got to have a group of them try to attack her and rape her so that Charles Dutton can come in and whip their butt and, you know, be the, the knight in shining armor who is also a real dark person but has just learned to control his demons or whatever. Like, it was much more much better tension when you just felt like this could happen like if everybody was just staring at her and she was able to walk out of there and they just sort of walked by her and kind of closed in then let her go that 
keeps that threat alive. But when they attack, you know nothing's going to happen to her because one, we're not even halfway through the movie yet. And two, there's no way they're going to do that because Ripley's the only thing left we have to hold on to. We haven't even introduced the names of half of these people, so she's not going to die from that. And I just can't believe it made the cut. Like This, to me, seems like an unnecessary scene. I mean, they already got that in the uh, basically the remake of the uh, scene in Aliens where Ripley walks you know, into the cafeteria when they're all eating. I mean, they have the same exact scene in here where she walks in and sits down next to them and stuff while they're all eyeing her up. And you know what they're, you know what they're feeling. Any man who's been on a prison planet for how many years? I mean, was they down there for like 12 years or something? They see a woman. I mean, it's biology. I mean, of course, you know what they're, no one's going through their mind. But, uh, yeah, it's, they actually try to have a rape scene in this movie and it's like, oh my God, you guys just killed two characters. You said an autopsy of, a little girl, you see a guy blow up in a fan, I mean, and now you're going to have this? I mean, it's just like, again, they're just dragging the audience through the mud, and it's just, you're desensitized. I mean, they're completely desensitizing you. And then, again, these are the people that are going to be later trying to kill this creature, and right now you hate them. And they never redeem themselves. I mean, they're rapists and murderers, and that's what they're trying to do right here. And it's just, again, it's a big flaw in the script that it's just, is this is a big flaw in the script as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you got people you just can't stand. You got the, the despicable, despicable people. Why is Bishop in the freaking trash? I mean, what is the point of them throwing Bishop in the trash? Oh, because because he's inoperable. They don't know what they can do with him, and that's what they do here. They grind trash down and melt it into nothing. That's what they, 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 they say. The EVV. You know, the ship that she crashed in. That might be useful, though, because there's parts of it that still work. I could see why they would trash him. He doesn't mean anything to them. They don't need him, and so they just chuck him. And it's also, again, like you say, it's the happenstance and convenience factor. They, we've got to have him make the cameo because he's the only thing that can read quote read the flight recorder in a bit. Before that, though, Nick, we, we get another badly placed scene. You get these prisoners lining the the tunnels and stuff with candles, you know, so people don't have accidents and all this kind of stuff. And the alien attacks, and it feels much more like a slasher now. You know, it's like it's waiting for, we're waiting for it to hit them, because the music's building and all this. And when it does, it attacks much more, like, animalistic. And my question to you, is that because it comes from a dog instead of a human? I don't know. At this point, I'm asking, is there a second alien? Because from what we've seen so far, this alien that attacks these prisoners looks nothing like the alien we've seen so far. This one looks like man in suit, and the other one looks like a dog. Well, and here's the other thing. At the end of that, it kills one, it's got blood all over its face, and it looks up at another one, and it sneers at him. And I'm like, the alien doesn't sneer at anybody. It looks at him and goes, teeth, watch these, and then hits you with them. It doesn't go, you're next. Well, we, we, we had a double attack in Alien, and what happened? As it was killing Parker, it was killing Lambert. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> the thing can... Um, multitask like multitask like no other but yeah it, it wouldn't do that it wouldn't sit there and have its face full of blood like a slasher movie and sit there and stare at him going yeah i'm badass and i know it i mean that's that that's the that's the message i got from the alien there and then of course the alien somehow catches up to him in a little bit and kills another one and my question too is why were they even lining the hall full of candles were they exploring this complex or I, here, here here's a better thing instead of having that guy explode in the fan why does he just go missing and then these guys are looking for him. I mean, wouldn't that make more sense? Yeah, that would have made a lot more like, sense, hey, yeah. And it would have been a lot more true to the dynamic, too. That's what Alien does. It takes thing, It takes you away. And it, it, I think it would have played all perfectly, because the one guy, Golik, is eventually accused of murdering these two guys. And how perfect would that have been, is if the one guy in the fan goes disappearing, they don't know what happened to him, 
And then they find the then these other two guys who go with Gullick end up disappearing too, and they're blaming these murders on Gullick. The whole time they're like they're like, no, he killed that guy in the fan. He killed these two guys, and it's gotta be him. Yeah, I love that that it's the raving psycho that's seen it and can't describe it and nobody can get him to calm down long enough to it's only Ripley who overhears. Yeah, and he this. doesn't even describe it as an alien. He he says it's a dragon and it would probably make him like this guy's insane. Exactly. And all that, it, you know, this is essentially this attack in the tunnel is happening while Ripley's got Bishop hooked up to the flight recorder and he's there to drop exposition. Good thing. Um, good thing. A random plug in the ear works, right? Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that she knows how to do that. Again, it's, it's, it's all it's all done for just to be gross. I mean, even this whole part with Bishop, I mean, she shoves stuff in his ears and stuff. And it's like, again, it's just like there's a difference between alien and aliens. I mean, alien and aliens have gross scenes, but they service the plot. This just seems like everything here is just gross for gross sakes. It's just, hey, we're going to mess around with you, make you squeamish, make you desensitize because we want to. It doesn't service the plot at all. And it's just, it just, I know the Bishop thing is just, it's a yeah, small example. That's the problem. I'm nitpicking, but it's just, it's an added layer onto this Sunday of just disgusting, you know? Well, it is a Sunday of disgusting. And that's the whole, but he drops some important information here that I want to talk about for a second. He, he tells her the company knows. The computer logs everything, sends it back. So that, you know, goes totally to what your theories have been is that the company's always known. So, but here's the thing that I don't get. She says, was there an alien on board the Salaka? Cause she's trying to figure out what caused the fire, right? And he's going, yes, it was with us all the way. And I'm like, huh? What? And that isn't. And then, like, he doesn't explain that. She just goes, uh-huh. And he's like, will you kill me, please? And she's like, sure. And he has a last breath, and that's weird because it wouldn't do that. It would just turn off. But I, I don't get all of that. Like, that to me seemed like we were trying to set up the company again, but we didn't want to explain anything. I'm like, at this point, the company should no longer be a mystery. Their motives should no longer be in the shadows. We should know exactly what they want. And we already know. Burke told us. Just go with that. Why are we still trying to pull the wool over? Over, like what their intentions are yeah i just don't like it too that it was like it was with us all the way what does that mean i mean it was with us all the way from this from lv426 i'm assuming but well, yeah but how did it get up there the Salako didn't set down the dropship did so i that didn't that didn't make any sense another thing that's not explained is they only show one egg in the beginning of the movie and some others two facehuggers that we find out in a little bit and it's I don't know. This whole movie just, again, it's just all happenstance and you got to just ignore stuff. And, you know, it's like aliens, you know, you had questions about how come they didn't hear the beacon and stuff like that. But those were explainable in the context of the movie. Like, okay, you got an evil corporation and stuff and they could be hiding this or ignoring this or what have you. But this is just like, you know, you got to accept a lot of stupidity in this movie to make it work. And this movie has gone so choppy so far, and now it's about to hit the gas, you know, because Ripley basically confides in this doctor and has befriended him, and she sleeps with him, and so whatever. And so he gets up, and he's going to mix her up some drugs and make her feel better. And then we see the alien, you know, come in from out of nowhere behind the curtain at the hospital or in the in the uh, medical ward. And again, it's it, that's a good surprise because I didn't expect him to get it, at least not that quickly, but it's another slasher style And, and again, And again, it's killing him. We never saw an alien kill anybody in the first two movies besides, you know, Parker and Lambert at the end. That was the only two people we killed, and so far now, it's killing people just for the fact of killing them. It's not eating them. It's not transforming them into eggs or anything. It's just killing them like Jason. Well, see, and that's the thing. I can accept that it probably killed some of the ones it ran into, especially in Aliens. But even if I didn't, I've never seen it just attack, like, with purpose. It kills the Doctor, but it leaves Golic in his 
in his uh, stray jacket alone, and it, of course it comes up on Ripley and kind of sniffs her and runs away. And that's supposed to give us this clue that, uh-oh, something's up with Ripley, you know? And it doesn't take long to figure out what that might be, right? But I, I just, that didn't make any sense. The alien doesn't sneak away. It would have killed, if it didn't want to kill Ripley, for whatever reason, it would have killed the doctor, killed the prisoner, ran out, and in in its way that it's been doing, Ripley would have been set up as now the double murderer, mm-hmm. right? It's, oh, okay, you must have killed everybody. And that would have... I mean, that would have made no sense either, but that's how it's not even playing by its own rules in the same movie. That's the thing is, again, this feels like something that, oh, yeah, we wrote this new scene. Sounds great. And then they're like, well, how does that really match the other one? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. How about, how about another little, how about another little rewrite here? Ripley leaves and she comes back and Clemens is dead. He's dead. He, the alien kills it. And again, we don't know if there's an alien. Ripley doesn't know if there's an alien. She thinks there's one. The prisoners don't believe her. And now they blame Golic again. You know, somehow it's like, Gullick, you must have killed it or something. And yeah, it's, again, but the whole point, I'm just, the thing that pisses me off even right now is the alien in the first one, you can make a case that it was self-defense. I mean, the people were looking for the alien in the first alien. In Aliens, it was about procreating. It was taking, I'm sure it probably killed a lot of the Marines, but it probably was killing the Marines because the Marines were an, an immediate threat to that alien's well-being right away that you know okay this guy's got a gun i'm going to kill this person because it's a threat that person doesn't have a gun i'm going to bring him back to the nest this one's just going around randomly killing again and it's and then what happens then you know ripley goes running back to the mess hall to go meet with everybody and the alien must have must have followed her and then it then it kills the war yeah in the in the roof yeah and so now nobody's in charge and there's no weapons and there's this whole bit where they talk about it's a wide open space there's no technology and she's just like yep. i mean it's 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 something that's you know in aliens okay we got to kill the leader right away we got to kill the leader they kill dallas you know uh, for you know an hour and some minutes in they kill a pawn and now they got to kill the warden but you're never invested in the warden like you are even with like a pawn it's like you don't like the warden there's been that repeated theme and it does feel like they're just trying to hit that beat again what we get, this is the part where everybody has to turn to ripley and ripley's got to take charge and i love you know while she's walking around going okay well let's trap it in the big vat cuz that sounds like a good idea and she drops a line in here though nick it's like the lion sticks close to the zebras and i'm like i've never seen the alien as a hunter before that's different but clearly that's what it's doing here is it's hunting these people down but for what reason what motivation the aliens never gone on the attack until it was attacked the aliens that attacked in aliens at the end were going in because they had been attacked multiple times they had you know that was their complex basically the the marines were the interlopers so that just doesn't make any sense that now this alien is, is stalking them like jason yeah the the next big thing that happens though is Ripley's you know nose bleeding and she feels sick so she goes to the escape pod and it's got a medical scanner on it of course because all of them do right and she starts doing this full X-ray body scan of herself and she or with the help of the uh, what is the name Aaron the warden's uh, assistant who's alive who everybody thinks is an idiot yeah and. As she's scanning her chest, of course, they come across something, and she looks at it on the freeze, and she immediately knows. Not only is it an alien embryo, Nick, it's a queen. How does she know that? Because <laughs> the script tells her so. <laughs> there's, there's, there, I, I, don't, I don't know. This is the most happenstance thing of all of it. I'm like, it should just be an alien. Why do, you, You're so special, you know it has to be the queen? And um, she must have been pregnant while she was on the Sulaco. 
it's not even playing by the rules anymore because now she's been pregnant, you know, for how long with the alien? And the alien dog was conceived and birthed in a fraction of the time. And I know the spin's going to the spin's gonna be, well, it's an alien queen. It must take more time to develop. You know, please, come on. Here's the thing. We don't have anything on here telling us how much time is passing. That's, a, that's another thing missing in this film and in this script. In Alien, you knew how much time was passing. It was basically 24 hours. It was was going by. In Aliens, it was, what, a day and a half once they got to LV-426 at the more most? Like, yeah, I mean, like it's, well, no, it's less than hours or something. Yeah, more than, like 12 hours. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like 16 or 17 hours because the thing blows up. So there's nothing that's the ticking clock here except now this. So we know at some point Ripley's going to give birth to this thing. So that becomes the ticking clock, but it's two-thirds of the way through the movie. That should have happened if they wanted to do this. And I'm actually okay that they wanted it. If they're going to do all of this to begin with, that they want to impregnate her with one, that needed to happen in the in the first bit. And that for nobody there to be able to know what it is, and she's trying to convince them how dangerous it is and nobody will kill her and all that stuff. Now they're playing all that here at the end. And while those are some interesting scenes, because what she does next is she goes hunting the thing in the basement, and I don't know what she's expecting to do, and then she goes to Charles Dutton and asks him to kill her, and he won't do it because he wants her to help him kill the one that's loose, and then he'll take her out. All of that would have been nice if it played out in that dead middle where, you know, slasher movie was happening, don't you think? I'd take anything at this point. The movie is just, it's, it's dragging after this. I mean, yeah, the one failed attempt to try to, the stupidest plan in the world. We're going to put it in a big giant box area for whatever reason, I guess, to make it easy for Waylon Yutani to take it. And now it's like Ripley's going to go on the uh, Rambo mission by herself to kill the thing. And it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's, as you can just tell, I'm just like, I'm so apathetic to this movie at this point. It's just like, I, I, Ripley doesn't care, and it's like the audience doesn't care. It doesn't care. No, you're not invested. Well, you have no re- you have no reason to follow it. It's again, it's just like they're hitting beats. You know, now you've got the Aaron guy who's monitoring back to the company because the company gets a you know an email or whatever about that, um, or gets some sort of signal about that scan. And so not only do they know that Ripley's there, but uh, because they dropped earlier that they're coming to get her, but oh, they know she's impregnated with one, and you're to quarantine her and we keep her safe and happy till we get there. We're double timing it on our way. So I kind of like how the company's monitoring all of it, but again, that needed to be set up earlier. Like if Aaron is is really the company man that's supposed to be the betrayal here, then that needed to be set up earlier. The fact that it comes here at the end and it's just kind of smashed in there, I could take it or leave it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, and that that's just all that happens. And then they come up with this idea of they're going to get it in another enclosed space and they're going to drop hot lead on it, you know, and the way to do it is they're basically going to get it to chase them through the tunnels. And this is the one cool thing we get. David Worley and Peter Robinson, the, the, the camera operators here, came up with this idea from what I've read and seen, Nick, that where they could kind of spin the steady cam around and it gave this perspective of the alien kind of crawling around the walls. And now that I did like. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, but then you got to mix it in with the really bad CGI. Oh my God, is the CGI bad in this movie? I mean, I know it's 92 or 91, but it's, it's, <laughs> Oh, the CGI is bad. Well, well, you, you say the CGI is bad. In 91, don't forget, Terminator 2 came out, and that movie still looks amazing. Th- this was done fast and clearly in a hurry. It shouldn't have been. They, this is a tentpole franchise. You know, they just did Die Hard 2, which I don't think really did that well. So they were 
they were kind of hoping that this was going to be the, you know, they wanted this to be the huge, big blockbuster. They wanted that, you know, but the way they made it, I mean, they didn't put the money behind this movie. They didn't put the post-production, pre-production, production behind this movie. And the script is just bad. And it's just, I, everything, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, it's, it's kind of cool with the alien vision. The alien vision doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, okay, it's season red. Well, we've never we've never seen that before, and since the alien's going to be a slasher, it might as well have the Jason Michael Myers whole bent to it, you know, because it's already done the Freddy smile. I think it was kind of cool though that you never really understood how the alien sees. I mean, the thing doesn't have any eyes, but apparently it does. Or I I don't know. I I still wish that was kind of a secret because it's like you know, oh, I can see that Ripley was pregnant. Okay, well, that's kind of cool. By the third installment in any franchise, you've got to explain some more. You have to pull some of the curtains back on the killing thing or else it just it's so much of an enigma that it's it's stereotypical for being an enigma you know like it, i'm okay with them giving it a little bit of a different dynamic to give us that vision something i would like more of this this is something we hadn't talked about the alien's not in this movie very much at all like it's very little in i mean it pops in and out and then it's gone it's more about the alien in ripley's chest that we get hung up on in the last third of this movie Right? Because that's all of that, all this chase in the sewers, or the sewers, the, it is a slasher movie. All this chase in the tunnels and stuff to the lead vat is next to the company arriving. And these people coming in, and you see the guy that's supposed to, he looks like Bishop in the shadows walking in the door, right? So it's like this race against time. And I don't know what they're racing against. What are they going to do if they get there and they get the thing? You, you know, what What gives us any idea that they know how to control it any better? I, I think that would have been the best part of the movie if they would have had that. I mean, you see the company coming in, and I guess they're using the Sulaku now, you know, because you see it again, you see the Sulaco from Aliens arriving on the planet, and it's kind of like, I thought that was the Space Marine ship, so they went and landed in the Space Marine ship, and they're taking that, or there's two of them, or that was a Space Marine ship, it's not a Whalen yutani ship, or I, I don't know, I mean, there's so many questions I have going through this, and that's one of the things also I don't get is, yeah, these prisoners are assholes, they're rapists, murderers, they're scum of the earth, why are they helping Ripley? I mean, these people are killers, why, why, why do they care? Why do they care? Why, why are they going to risk their life? Here's why. Ripley, and, and this is part of good exposition. This is actually the better part of the script in terms of dialogue. Ripley does this whole bit to him about, you can either sit out here and die as a bunch of prisoners who found God at the end of space, or you can do something, you go down swinging. And then Dylan, Dutton's character, basically says the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, we, we all know what we are, and we're you know worthless and whatever, but we all took an oath, and we're going to change, and you know, we're going down, I'm going down, I'm going down after that thing, and you know, we're all going to go after it, and it's not going to take me without a fight. And I kind of, I kind of like the fact that they do rally. It's not so much about like we give a rip about what happens to Ripley. The prisoners don't. It's more about well, we're not going to let this thing just wipe us clean just because nobody cares about us out here. We care about us, and we're going to take care of it. And I, I bought that. I was fine with that because I needed something to make me get involved with all these people that are getting whacked in the tunnels in a minute. Because otherwise, I don't care about any of them. Right. Because everybody gets killed, like everybody gets killed by the alien at some point. Right. Except Ripley and the one kind of mousy guy, Morse, at the end, because he's up there operating the lead. Right. So that's the only reason I had to care about any of these people before we got to the point where it's her and Dutton and the alien in the last you know uh, tunnel. 
But the thing, though, is the 800-pound gorilla in the room is, how is Waylon Yutani even going to catch this thing? What are they going to do with the thing when they get there? Okay, I understand what they can do with Ripley. They can take it out, but they're not going to be able to catch the thing. Ripley knows it. She was at a planet with space marines, with these guys who are heavily armed. She sees that these things are not, you're not going to be able to catch it. What are they going to have? A new, what are they going to have? Like a, like a rope? Are they going to throw it around this thing? Are they going to catch it in a cage? How are they, she know, and I think it would have been funny if Ripley would have said, you know what, you want this thing? Go freaking get it. And this thing just tears them apart. And that's the part that I kind of wish, I, that's what I kind of wish this movie would have went into. And I understand what you're saying with the prisoners, but if I was the prisoners too, I would have been like, yeah, let's wait till the guns get here and stuff like that. She's like sitting there saying, well, Waylon Yutani is going to kill you just for seeing it. How does she know that? No, she's got reason to believe that. You know, she already knew Burke would have killed everybody else on the Sulaco if he had gotten embryos in Newton her to get back through quarantine. So I can believe that it sacrificed her whole crew and basically disavowed what happened to them. I could get that she would make that leap. But, but we fast forward to the end. They don't do that, though. They keep Morse when they, they killed him. And it's and I think, actually, they may, for scientific purposes, maybe want to keep the prisoners and say, what did you see? What do you know of this thing? I mean, and what are they going to do then? Well, let's just leave them on the prison planet then. Thanks for your information. Good luck, you know? They, I'm saying, they, they get there, though, and I, maybe they're not there to get the alien because they're all armed with guns. Maybe they're just going to shoot it. They're there to get Ripley and try to get the thing out of her. Now, they'll kill her doing it. They don't care. But that's what they're there for. We all know that. I just want to kind of bring up something that happened with the chase scene to kind of go dwell back on that. But um, during, this ch- during the chase scene, did you have any idea where they were? I mean, you understood that they were trying to c- trap this thing in the lead bay, but the thing that I had a problem with is you had really no idea what was going on. You just knew it was chaos. And the thing that I really liked in the first Alien and Aliens, you had those motion detectors. I mean, even when Dallas was in those tunnel in the air vents, you kind of knew where he was and what was going on. And it's, it just seemed like a very big missed opportunity that they could have done something so similar to that. Where it could have been, you know, Ripley watching, you know, the thing on like a motion detector type thing in these tunnels and trying to get the prisoners to lead it down certain ways and then shutting doors behind it. Because at no time do we understand where the alien is in correlation to where it needs to be. And that's just kind of one of the problems I have. Because it just seems like they're just aimlessly running around there, shutting doors, and it's kind of like, you guys are just going to hope that it gets in there or what? Because there doesn't seem to be a method to their madness. And that was kind of the part I had a problem with. There's a method, and it's poorly explained. And she did it with that whole, the line sticks close to the zebras, and then that whole conversation about how nothing really works out here. Is that we're supposed to be, oh, it wouldn't it be great if we had all this stuff, but even out here, we don't have any of that, so it's going to have to be old school. You know, and I thought, well, does this mean, like, Ripley's going to take a bow and arrow after the thing now or something? I mean, that that would have been medieval. I don't know. I, I'm with you. It, we needed something to give me... I didn't have a layout of the place. I didn't know how everything was. I just was told how big it was. But it doesn't really look very big. It looks like about six rooms yeah. that we've seen, right? It it doesn't really seem that impressive. And it's like they keep running them down the same hall. And maybe they were. I don't know. But it, it looks like that. The set doesn't look that impressive. And that's odd because the sets on these movies have been phenomenal in the first two. And this one, it... I don't know. It just doesn't really work all all together. But it it's all to the point of getting it in that mold, right? Because as you said before, everybody gets killed. Everybody's going to get killed till it's just her and Dylan. And Dylan basically decides, I'm staying behind to fight it. You get up top and drop the lid on it. And he has that whole toe-to-toe with the alien, which is sort of a callback to Parker's death, I think. Is that what they're trying to go for? Because that's what I read it as. Oh, definitely. That's a complete callback to alien with him you know having the standoff and trying to save the female and i actually think it was kind of a 
kind of a cool little thing when you see the alien try to climb that wall. The way its claws kind yeah. of like go into there, I thought that was actually kind of a kind of a neat little visual there, where they're trying to climb up there. And I, I liked it with Dylan with the one the one one standoff there, where you know slowly takes off his glasses and starts insulting it and stuff. And that's the best you got. That's the best you can do. And I like that scene, you know, just just because I like Dylan. I mean, he's the only character besides Ripley that you can even attach to, and it kind of sucks seeing him die. And I think he kind of went for this, too. And I, I appreciated the fact that he just dove headfirst into this thing. And I felt like he was a character that got cut up, cut off a lot. I felt like they could have given us more of him and less of all these other nameless kills. But you know, whatever. We needed the body count, right? But how do you like how they kill it? You know, they throw it in the in the lead or the, they throw the lead on it. It jumps out of the lead and then Ripley hits the sprinklers because Morse tells her it's, you know, it's so hot. If you hit it with the cold water, it'll break it in half or, or it'll break it up. And what did you think of that whole kill on the alien? Yeah. I don't know the whole physics behind the whole thing. I mean, I know that if you, in chemistry class, anytime I'd heat up a beaker and, and pour water on it, it'd piss off the my instructor, because she wouldn't like me blowing up the beaker tubes, but uh, we've we, we, we seen this thing go into the vacuum of space and not die. We've seen this thing go into a jet engine and not die. I just don't know. I mean, I understand what they're going for here, but to me, it, it kind of goes against what we've seen with the alien, that it's the ultimate survivalist. It's the ultimate adapter. I... And just so happens there's some random sprinklers up there. Well, it's it is it is happenstance again, and I'm glad that she's able to get all that accomplished in the eight seconds she has to do it. They they should have set that up a little better, but I'm okay with that's how they want to kill it because I know what's coming. I know we're going to get a fourth act. Or there's going to be a tag on at the end of this that I need. Can I do a little rewrite here? Go for what it. What if the alien gets out and it's pissed off at Ripley? It doesn't care anymore, and it's about to kill her. Company comes in, shoots it down. That would have I would have bought that. That would have worked. I, I could have gone with that. Actually, I'm surprised they don't. They get there like right after this all goes down, you know. So that I'm with you. They should have been one step ahead. Because then all suddenly now we get the fourth act after the alien dies. And just imagine if the company would have killed it. Now you're going to add that much more of a dilemma to Ripley. And actually, right. one of the things I always remembered wanting to do a little rewrite, if we're going to kind of take it back to, you know, Newt being killed, I always saw kind of a little cool thing they could have done with Alien 3. If they wanted to do this plot, was not kill off Newt and Hicks. Or maybe, you know, whatever, maybe just had that, you know, they were all shot out of the spaceship and somehow Ripley landed, or maybe just Ripley just got evacuated out. Who knows? But then in the end, they have to have Newt come back and then beg Ripley to go with the company and be like, please don't leave me let them take it out and stuff, and Ripley, you know, denies her and then does what she does at the end of the movie. I mean, there's so many different ways that could have made this ending so much more powerful than what it was, and that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. That that would have been very interesting, because what happens is the bishop comes in, and I'm, is he real or is that another android? Never was clear to me, by the way, on that. Well, it depends on what movie we're talking about. Since we're talking about the theatrical cut, his name in the credits is Bishop 2. Okay, so he in the theatrical cut, he is an android. That's what we're going to stick with for this one, then. So that that makes sense because him getting clocked over the head with that wrench by Aaron before they shoot him down in his last moment of of or his only moment of 
I guess, purity or whatever, uh, or moment of redemption there, it would have killed well, why did a he person. Attack him? Well, why because did I think he him? saw them for what they were too. And he, I mean, Bishop is sitting there saying, we'll take it out of you. You're going to be okay. And then Ripley's like, yeah, BS, you know, and even Aaron is like, yeah, no. And then clocks him. And then once she's getting closer to the molten lead, Bishop is like, just think how much we could learn from it. Like he's already admitting like, yeah, I was just, I was just lying to you. You know, so that's why he hit him. I mean, that's the the bit. Well, and then, he, he, he earlier in the movie said that he had a wife and kid that he was going home to when they come, that he was actually next to schedule to leave this facility because they were slowly taking these prisoners off of there. And he wasn't on, he was a facility guy. He wasn't even a prisoner, actually. He was a facility No, he was guy. a company man. But, but what, maybe he came to the realization that she's right. They're never going to let us live knowing what we know. Or maybe he believed that. I don't know. But they gun him down because you have to have one more kill in this movie. I guess, I guess it fits with this character because he is stupid. And it was the actions of someone who was pretty stupid. Well, it's, it's the actions of somebody who's been a coward finally doing something heroic. That's what it's supposed to be. And I only can say that because I've seen that a billion other times done a lot better but that's what they're trying to do here and it's poorly done but ripley of course denies all of this and sort of does the back fall off of the platform and as she's going down nick the alien bursts from her chest and she grabs it now i have a real problem with that okay i would have been fine if she's going down and we see the thing trying to punch through and then she hits the the molten lead the fact that she's coherent enough to be able to grab the thing is again totally betraying everything we know about it. Everyone else who had that happen is totally incapacitated by that event. And yeah, that just nice. looks it's just ridiculous. On top of the fact that it is a terrible looking shot. It's the worst shot in the movie. It's it's again more happenstance. It just so happens that the alien comes out. I get why wouldn't the company just shoot her dead right there? Why wouldn't they sh- you know shoot her in the freaking head and have her lay over dead. You don't know if the alien, the alien's not like a human baby. It's not like, okay, they're going to kill Ripley and the baby's going to have a good chance of dying. Well, they don't know that though. That's the thing. They don't know that. So there's no way they would take a chance, but take a chance though, because they know what her plan is right there. They know that Ripley's going to end up sacrificing herself into the furnace. They know that's what they're doing. Just shoot her dead. And you know what? Because you're going to lose the thing that way. You might not lose it if you do that. So I, I don't buy the company would have shot her. Well, the, they don't, and that's the deal. And she falls into the lid, and that's the end. And then you get you know Morse being led away, and you see all the little typing on the screen that they're shutting everything down as the the final uh, thing from the end of Alien is playing again. And I don't that doesn't even fit in this at all. It, I'm like you're trying to call back to that poignant moment. This is feels so forced. Just so like so much more of this movie is just so forced in there. And I'm supposed to believe at the end of this that this is the end of the series, right? This whole computer transmission ending bit that that is supposed to bring me closure. But I don't really feel it. Do you? No, I just I felt the same way I felt when I was in second grade when I watched this movie. I just felt empty. It's just like, okay, she's dead. You know, it's just like you if if Ripley would have died at the end of Alien Saving Newt. That would have been emotional. That would have been, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. Here didn't feel like the ultimate sacrifice, because in the back of your mind, you kind of know, like, okay, these aliens, I mean, this isn't the last one. I mean, they were brought to that planet on a spaceship, so there's there's more of them out there. She's She didn't make this thing go extinct. You know, it's not like now the company's never going to get it because of you, and you saved humanity. Wait a minute. We don't know that. All the, all the ones we know about blew up on LV-426. So we don't know if there ever are. No, but we don't. We don't know where we, we. We don't know how far away the derelict spaceship was, though, from the uh, 
colony. Remember, they found the colony in Aliens because Bert sent them out there, or Burke sent them out there. That's right, but you, we're meant to believe at the end of that 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 explosion is so much that it would have wiped everything off the planet. You know, that, And Lisa would have made it impossible to get back to, and you would think that the company would be like, you know what, maybe two... Two fifty billion dollar ships is enough. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't lose anymore. But they're but they're worth millions, and that ship was worth millions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in the in those days, that that sounded like a lot. Of money. It still is a lot. One of money, million Jordan, it, dollars. It, it, <laughs> dollars. <laughs> well, Nick, I think we're at the part of this podcast. We go any further, we're going to get into stuff we want to talk about next time. I think we're at the part where we need to do our final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So, what are yours for Alien Three: The Theatrical Cut? I am going to have to go with a small popcorn for this movie. I just, I cannot recommend it. I cannot even give it a medium popcorn. There's some stuff in here I like. I like the score. I like two scenes. I like the credits. And I like the eulogy scene with the dog, the dog chest burster. Those are the only two scenes I actually enjoy. Everything else in the movie is melancholy. Everything else in the movie is just depressing, sad. And I just, you walk away just like, there's a reason why this movie only made $50 million domestically because everybody walked away from this movie mad and everybody refused to see it. To me, Alien 3 doesn't exist. It's just what it is. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say this. I've nitpicked a lot of stuff in here, and I think it's worthy to do it. But if you will just go with the movie for what it is and accept the things it's asking you to accept, it's about half good. And if you know anything, at least if you know that there were so many different rewrites on it and so many hamperings in the production and a lot of tampering on Fox's end, particularly in the editing and, and all this stuff, you can give it enough credit to realize they were trying to do something. And I think Fincher had some ideas here that would have been really interesting to explore. And I've never seen the assembly cut, Nick. So that'll be a a neat experience for me because what I understand, it's much more closer to what he wanted to do. And I, even knowing all of that though, I will go with this enough to give it something like a medium popcorn. It's the definition of medium popcorn. It's mediocre. A lot of this is really mediocre. It's very watered down. It's very slasher, very, you know, forced. But they killed Newt, Jay. They killed Hicks. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing, though. I could I could even go with that if you want to just throw me off of my seat, even though I didn't like it. If that's your whole motif, I'm good. The fact is they can't keep that up, and that's the problem. But I'll tell you why I like this. I, I do think Sigourney Weaver's performance is very, very good. I think Charles Dutton steals the movie. He's fantastic in this. And those two together, if it had been more of them, I would really like this. As it is now, I kind of feel meh about it. I don't really like to watch this one. I, I don't want to pretend it doesn't exist, but I don't go back and watch it often. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's the worst thing I've ever put in front of my eyes. It's certainly not the worst one in this series. We haven't even got to that yet. I, I'm I'm willing to say that there's enough here that it's interesting to every now and then go back and kind of watch. And like you've done through this podcast, Nick, how can I rewrite that? How can I make that better? That's kind of a fun game to play with movies that don't totally work for me. I I like that challenge. I give it a medium popcorn for that. And I will say this, if you're a fan of Alien and Aliens, I think you gotta you got to see this cut of it at least once or twice, if you haven't yet. I mean, if, you, if you're a fan of the series, you probably have. But if you're new to it, for whatever reason, you're listening to us talk about this stuff, I would recommend you watch it at least once, just so you you know what it was. And then if you can get your hands on the, the assembly cut, which is on the quadrilogy and the new Blu-ray release, you can watch that like we're going to and 
review it for the next time. So I'm giving it medium popcorn. I I didn't like it. It's not. It's light years less than the first two, but there's enough that I'm. I was interested in it. Made me ask questions, and I was okay with it. Oh. Next time, though, Nick, we are going to dive headlong into the assembly cut. And what we'll do for that one, folks, is we'll give you a plot summary that plugs in all the stuff that's not in this one. So we'll skim over the stuff we think you know already and hit the stuff that got cut out because it's all kinds of subplots. And really, we'll focus on the differences and we'll get a lot more into the the whole production of this and how it came about. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that review as well. Lots of stuff on our website, folks. ContinuousPlayPodcast.com slash movies. You can go there, sift through our archives. We've got everything from Ghostbusters to Harry Potter. We've got romantic comedies on there. We've got, you know, schlock like uh, No Holds Barred and Leprechaun. And Nick and I even did Blair Witch and Blair Witch 2. We've got all kinds of things on there. So check out our archives. You'll enjoy those. Uh, listen to our sessions podcast where we talk about you know various topics. The last one we had out was all about the summer movie trailers and what's going on. And you know, hook up with us on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know what you think. Sign our guest book and check out our sister podcast, The Art of Slaying, our Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective as well. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. Visit our website continuousplaypodcast.com for more reviews and episodes. I say we take off, loot the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing off.